everyone, and welcome to Church on the Trail. We are so excited that you have decided to spend your Sunday morning here with us. We want to share with you some of our awesome events coming up, so listen closely. On December 5th at 7 p.m., Bloom and Trailblazers will be having their Christmas parties. Two different parties just at the same time. We would love for all of our men and ladies to come join in on all of the holiday festivities. If you have any questions about these parties, you can contact Richard Moore or Whitney Veneziani. We will have our next Parents Night Out on December 6th from 6 to 9 p.m. This is the perfect time for you to go and get some Christmas shopping out of the way. Bring your kids dressed in their favorite Christmas pajamas. You can drop them off whenever, and if you don't want them out as late, you can pick them up before 9. This event is for 1 to 11-year-olds, and dinner will be provided. If you plan on bringing a 1 to 3-year-old, please provide your own snack. Admission is $10, and you can sign up at our church website or come out here and check out our flyer at the Connections desk. We will have our next baby dedication on December 8th. If you are interested in signing up your child for this, you can visit our Connections desk or sign up on our website. The 412 Student Ministry will have their Christmas party on December 15th at 6 p.m. right here at the church. Come in your ugliest Christmas sweater and get ready for some Christmas games and snacks. We hope to see you all there. The Foundation's Young Adults will have their Christmas party on December 17th at 7 p.m. This is an ugly Christmas sweater party and if you would like to participate in a friendly game of Dirty Santa, the gift limit will be $10. We will also have some delicious food and play some holiday games. You can find the address below, and we hope that you invite a friend. In case you missed any of those announcements, we do have our black wall you can come check out, and the connections desk. We also have our new December calendars ready to pick up as you leave. Again, we are so excited that you are here with us this morning, and we hope you enjoy the message. Well, I want to echo what Melody said on the video, welcoming everyone here, and especially we'd like to welcome you if you're one of our first-time guests. Maybe today is your first time to be a part of one of our gatherings, and we also have a lot of people that are checking in with us live online through our live feed. So let's welcome all our guests. Thank you guys for coming. We appreciate it. And uh, in particular, if you are visiting with us here in-house today today being the first time you've attended in person, or maybe one of the first few times that you've attended, we want to make sure that everybody gets one of these welcome packets. So like I say, maybe you've been here before, but you never received one of these. This has a lot of cool information about Church on the Trail, give you a lot of uh, the details about who we are, why we do what we do. We'd love to get this into your hands. So if you're new or newer to uh, Church on the Trail, and you haven't received one of these, uh, Elliot and Katie Long are here, and they would like to get one of these in your hands. So raise your hand real quick, everybody. I've been told that we look like we're scalping tickets when we're up here. Going. I got two. Anybody need two? End zone? Nosebleeds? No? Okay, thank you, guys. Um, I, we do want to mention uh, for everybody here, if you're here uh, for the first time or you're newer to our church, uh, we have what we call our connection card, which is in the seat backs right in front of you. And we encourage you to use the connection card to get connected with Church on the Trail. So you can let us know if you're visiting for the first time or for one of the first few times. You can also let us know if you have prayer requests or need some information. So use the connection card uh, to fill out that information. And at the close of the gathering, you could drop it in the offering bucket or take it to our connections desk whatever you prefer. And again, thank you for coming. Welcome 
to everybody. Now, when my children were younger, and all my kids are, are grown, I got two kids that have graduated from college and one is a junior in college, but um, when they were younger, we had a lot of important Christmas holiday traditions. Okay, and one of the really big deals to me was the Christmas season didn't actually get started until on Thanksgiving Day, when you're watching the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, at the end of the parade, who comes across the screen? Santa Claus, right? And now when I was a kid, Santa would come across the screen, across uh, in front of Macy's on 34th Street in New York City, and the people from the Today Show would say, let us be the first to wish you a Merry Christmas, meaning that that was the official start of the Christmas season. And so it was very important to me that I raised my children correctly. And so we did not celebrate Christmas at all until that happened. You guys are looking at me and judging me. I say, back off. You're saying that was legalistic. I, I don't call it legalism. I call it integrity. But that's just me. Here's the thing. Christmas music starts, what, in... March or something. No, seriously, right? They started way early. And that was the case back in the 90s and early 2000s and all that. However, I resisted. And if I was driving, there was no Christmas music before Thanksgiving Day. If the kids were riding with someone else who was less legalistic about this, they would call me. And they would say, we're listening to Christmas music. I'm like, stop it. I made my kids wait until high noon on Thanksgiving Day before they could eat Christmas M&Ms. We couldn't watch Christmas movies. And so it became a real thing. We'd wake up on Thanksgiving morning. We'd have our cinnamon rolls and whatever else we had. And we'd start watching the parade at 9 o'clock in the morning. They'd cut the ribbon. Al Roker said, let's have a parade. And the parade begins. Three long hours later, the kids are standing in front of the television with a Christmas M&M in their hand and a VHS of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer ready to push into the VHS for you kids. That's, it was like a black rectangle. And, and you'd put it in to watch movies and it would go ka-ching. And then you had to fast. It was dark times that we lived through. But anyway, so... As soon as Santa Claus crossed the screen, they'd pop the M&Ms. They'd put in Rudolph. Christmas season began. A couple hours later, we'd have our Thanksgiving meal. And an hour or so after that, we'd watch the Cowboys lose. Tradition, you know. Uh, so, so that's the way Thanksgiving went. And so it was a wonderful moment at high noon on Thanksgiving Day. The three hours prior to high noon, not such a happy time in my kids' lives. They, they would start with excitement. Yay, the parade's starting. That means Santa Claus is near and Christmas is about to start. But then the parade would kind of drag on, you know? And they're having the Broadway people sing and dance these songs that my kids didn't care about. And then there were the Rockettes dressed as ten soldiers and they're doing the high kicks, which I thought was impressive. Not so much for my kids. 
And then there would be the marching bands. You guys see, anybody watched the parade ever in your life? The marching bands, my word. This is probably the most important day of these, you know, tuba players' lives. And yet it's the most boring part of the parade, right? And my kids uh, would, would be so geeked up about high noon, but so frustrated of having to wait that they would go off and play to kill time. And they'd send one, one person, usually the youngest, Bryce, they'd send him down to check on the status of the parade. You know, sometimes the balloons were fun or whatever, but they, they were, it was all about Santa. When is Santa going to get here? Bryce would run down, and then I, I'd hear him yell out, It's another band! And they'd say, All right, fine, blah, blah, blah. By, by 11.45, my kids are waiting for noon to come. And their attitudes are really bad. And they're tired of the parade. They're tired of the balloons. They're tired of Al Roker, which, let's face it, who isn't? But they were just somebody, please get Santa on this screen. And they would, they would begin to whine. And they would begin to gripe. And they would say, Daddy, it's another band. It's another band. Waiting for Santa. Waiting is hard. Waiting is rarely fun or enjoyable. And this is on my mind, this idea of waiting. Of course, I was thinking about it at Thanksgiving uh, because I was remembering the tradition. But it's on my mind because today is, is actually the first Sunday of the Advent season, which is traditionally Christian churches use the four Sundays leading up to Christmas as a time to remember what it was like to wait for the coming of the promised Messiah. Because in, in Jewish history, in, in, in the Old Testament, in the very Garden of Eden, at the very beginning of humanity, in the early chapters of the story of the human race, God started dropping hints that Jesus, the Messiah, would one day come. And through the prophets of the Old Testament, these amazing foretellings would come and say, there is going to come a chosen one who is going to save his people from their sins. And so the Advent season for Christians traditionally is a way to reconnect with what it must have been like to wait. And the reason I bring this up is because there's something that's true about all of us. Every one of us is waiting for something. We're all waiting. I, I don't know what you may be waiting, but perhaps you're waiting for someone. Maybe you're waiting for something. Some of us are waiting for an answer, a resolution to a problem, a decision to be made, a decision that we have to make. Some of us might be waiting for a breakthrough. Maybe we're waiting for a rescue. Whatever part of your life, your season of your life you're going through, we're all waiting for something. Some of us are waiting for things that kind of are exciting, 
it might be really cool, but some of us are also waiting for things that are filled with uh, anxiety and fear. Some of us are waiting for a, a, a diagnosis or a test result or a ruling of some kind. Some of us are waiting for a reunion with a person or people that we won't see on this side. We're all waiting for something. And so I wanted to take a little bit of time today in this conversation and talk about, talk about what we can do. What would be the wise things to do? What would be the healthy things to do while we're waiting? While we're waiting. The nation of Israel in the Old Testament, they chose to wait with hope. And they, and they, and they chose to wait with belief in the promise that God was going to send His promised Messiah. There's a verse I want, to, want you to look at. And if you received one of your uh, note-taking handouts when you came in, you can follow along there as well. And the title of the message is, While We're Waiting. And in, this, uh, in, this, in that handout is a, is, is a short verse from one of the Old Testament prophets. His name was Micah. And Micah the prophet in ch- chapter 7, verse 7 says, As for me... I look to the Lord for help. I wait confidently for God to save me, and my God will certainly hear me. Now, maybe you're not feeling as confident and as hopeful as the prophet is talking about right here. Maybe you're waiting with a a little more nail-biting and a lot more anxiety than that. But whatever the case may be, Here's my prayer, and here's my hope, is that, is that we'll be able to learn what's going on and what we should do while we're waiting. Maybe that we could learn to wait well. How we wait has a huge impact on our lives. And the quality of our lives, the growth of our lives, the healing that we experience through the seasons and years of our life. So let's learn to wait well. I believe if we could wrap our hearts and our, our minds around this, that it could make it kind of an interesting Advent season for us this year. It could make it a really cool Christmas. So let's talk about what to do. What happens and what we should do while we're waiting, while we're waiting. I'll tell you something that happens while we're waiting. God is working. God is working while we're waiting. The trick to believing that and having confidence in that is the fact that just by virtue of the fact that we're probably waiting to see it happen means that we're not seeing it happen. And and so it's difficult to say, sometimes it's very difficult to have confidence that God is working. But He is. God is working while we're waiting. God is never late. God is never late. 
I know you might be thinking, look, Richard, you don't know my timeline. You don't know how long I've been waiting. You don't know how long I've been praying. I'm telling you, God is never late. And let me prove it to you. There's a passage of Scripture in the book of Galatians. It's in the New Testament. It was written by the Apostle Paul. And he is talking in this moments, that, in these verses that we're going to read. He's actually talking about the birth of Christ, about the, the nativity. When Christ came to earth and was born in the manger. And in Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5, and you'll see it on the screen, it says... But when the right time came, God sent His Son, born of a woman, subject to the law, talking about the Old Testament Jewish law and and religious tradition. He was subject to the law. God sent Him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to that same law so that He could adopt us as His very own children. But when the right time... It was just the right time. Now, that's cool for us to read and say, oh, isn't that cool? God was not late. He was right on time. But if you were a Jewish, a devout Jewish follower of Jehovah back in the day when Jesus was born, you might not totally agree with that statement that it was just the right time. Because there had been hundreds and hundreds, you just centuries had passed since these prophets had started giving the promise that, hey, one day the Messiah is going to come and He is going to set His people free. And what's more, there was a specific 400-year period of time where as a nation, in terms of the religious observances and their worship, 400 years where there weren't any prophecies being given there weren't any words from the lord being spoken by the leaders and the holy men of the of the people 400 years see in the bible there you know split up into two main sections the old testament and the new testament the last book of the old testament is a prophet it was written by a prophet named malachi or, as I like to say, uh, the Italian prophet, Malachi. Because <laughs> he's... These are the jokes, people. I don't know what to tell you. This, that, this is all we got. So the prophet, Malachi, and he's like, forget about it. I'll just let that go. See, for us, when we get to the last page of the prophet Malachi, you know what we do? We just turn the page. Oh, the New Testament. Matthew chapter 1, let's read it. And it starts telling about the ancestry of Jesus right away. Pretty cool, right? Do you realize the people who lived at this time? 400 years passed between those pages. 400 years of silence where there wasn't anybody saying, guys, remember, here's a fresh word from God or here's a good... Dead silence. You talk about waiting a long time. But yet, the Apostle Paul says in Galatians chapter 4 that it was just the right time. And it so was. 
In fact, let's put that verse back up on the screen from Galatians chapter 4. I want to show you a couple of things. It was just the right time. God is never late. And God sent His Son. And He got two super important things done by sending Jesus. It says, God sent Him to buy freedom from those who are us those of us who were slaves to the law, a tradition of, of rules and regulations that no human being could ever be perfect enough and good enough to follow. God bought us back through the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. So, God bought our freedom. All right? And then also we see that, that, that He... He adopted us as His very own children. So now, we're not just people who are like, try to be servants to this deity or this religious system where we try to do our best. You know what we are now? We're sons and we're daughters. God knew the time was right and He sent Jesus at the perfect moment. And when He did, He bought our freedom. And he adopted us into his family. And then, and we, we don't have it on the screen, but if you keep reading in that passage, it says, because we're God's children, God has sent his spirit into our hearts. And it's because the Holy Spirit is in us that we talk to God like he's our father, like he's our daddy. We can, say, we can call out to him and say, Abba, which is the Greek word for Papa or Daddy. Do you get that that was... God's thing, that was his goal the whole time, was to bring us into connection and relationship with him. It's his favorite thing, is for us to talk to him like we would talk to a loving, kind, strong father. That's God's end game. And that's why he sent Jesus at the perfect time. And because he did all of that, we are no longer Slaves to sin and fear. This is good news. And it should encourage us that whatever we're waiting for, however many marching bands you have to keep watching come across the screen and it's not the good stuff that you want. Whatever you're going through, God sent Jesus to do the most important thing of all time at the perfect moment. And if God did that, then He's got a timeline for whatever we're waiting for, God is never late. God is always, always, always working. A cool thing to realize uh, also while we're waiting is that while we're waiting, we will not miss a thing. We won't miss a thing. To quote Aerosmith. All right. So, thank you, Ed. Appreciate that. If you have a problem with uh, people quoting Aerosmith in church, ed at churchonthetrail.org, and he'll answer all your questions. Um, See, this was actually the first, one of the first batch of lies that Satan told a human being, is that you're going to miss out on stuff if you trust God. If you wait for God, if you do it God's way, you're going to miss out on stuff. Satan tempted, way back in the Garden of Eden, Satan tempted Adam and Eve 
by saying, you know, God told you not to eat the fruit of that tree because he knows if you do, you'll be like him and he's holding out on you. He doesn't want you to have the really good stuff. So one of the biggest lies, I'm sorry, one of the first lies that the devil ever told us played to what is now called, uh, what is uh, F-O-M-O, fear of missing out. You think that's a thing? No, that started in the Garden of Eden, the fear of missing out on something. And so, so Satan said to them, and they bought it, Adam and Eve, they believed and they said, oh, you know what, God is holding out on us. I don't want to miss that, so I'm going to go do my own thing or I'm going to go do what I'm tempted to do. But that's not how God works. That's not the heart of our Heavenly Father. We see, in fact, in the book of, New Testament book of James, chapter 1, it says something about how God works. It says, whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down from us, from God our Father, who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. This is not, God does not hold out on us. He gives perfect gifts. Waiting, when we have to wait, it makes it easy to fall for that lie, that fear of missing out thing. There's another passage I want to show you real quick, and then we'll, we'll kind of keep going. This is from the Old Testament prophet Isaiah. And it comes in, from, in, in chapter 61. Isaiah 61, the first few verses of that chapter. The cool thing about this prophecy that was written hundreds of years, centuries before Jesus came to earth, is that when Jesus was, you know, in his early 30s, and started his public ministry, he went to church one Saturday, because Saturday was church day, so they wouldn't have had the Iron Bowl on Saturday. They probably would have had that on Sunday. That's a, that's a joke, because of course they didn't have football. And if they did, they would have not had instant replay, so that field goal at the end of the first half would have never happen. But I digress. So he's in church on church day, which is Saturday, And he grabs a scroll to read, and he reads this exact thing from Isaiah 61. Sorry, Auburn fans. Get over it. You're you're fine. You'll be fine. You've got 364 days of bragging, so we don't feel sorry for you at all. But anyway, Isaiah chapter 61 is repeated in the book of Luke chapter 4, but it's when Jesus himself reads these verses. And the cool thing is, is that as Jesus is reading it, He's actually the fulfillment of everything that Isaiah says. And and so let's take a few minutes to read it. Check it out. It says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. Next slide. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. We keep going to the next slide. He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor... The perfect timing of the Lord's favor has come. To all who mourn in Israel, He will give a crown of beauty for ashes. Next slide. A joyous blessing instead of mourning. Festive praise instead of despair. In their righteousness, these are the people that believe and, 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 and receive all this. In their righteousness, they will be like great oaks 
that the Lord has planted for his own glory. This is a way cool passage of scripture. But in every, and it's written in your, uh, in your uh, handout there. So check it out sometime. All these promises. It's saying all these good things are going to happen. You're good. Captives are going to be freed. Brokenhearted people are going to be restored. I mean, all the good stuff is going to come. But do you realize if you're reading those verses, you're going, whoa, a lot of bad stuff came first. These people were captives. They were imprisoned. God's giving them a crown of, of, of joy, but they had ashes, meaning which represents mourning and all the bad stuff. So for us to receive the promise, which Jesus fulfilled all of it, and our lives and our journey of faith can be us experiencing this exact stuff. Our journey of faith can be us experiencing the tough stuff of life, but knowing that Christ himself can set us free from it. That's the promise. That's the beauty of it. But inherent in this awesome passage is the fact that there's going to be tough stuff. There's going to be good stuff. There's probably going to be some waiting in between. But the heart of our Heavenly Father, who gives good and perfect gifts, is not that He is holding out on us. It's the opposite. He's preparing us for freedom and for healing. This is the good... Listen, while we're waiting, we're not going to miss anything. We're not missing out because we're waiting. When we're waiting on God, it's never wasted. It's always worth it. Always, always worth it. You know what else is going on while we're waiting? This is important. Something that's going on while we're waiting. God is there the whole time. God is there with us the entire time. There are some big lies that come to us into our minds when we're in waiting seasons. We can, be, we can believe the lie that, um, that God's forgotten about us. That God is doing stuff. You know, maybe God is working for other people. But I have slipped through the cracks here. My story is being ignored. The stuff that I need, I'm, I'm, I'm dying here. And God is just kind of out there taking care of everybody else. I, my story, my needs, and my pain is a back burner thing or it's it's slipped through the cracks and it's easy when we have to wait and especially if it feels like our waiting period has lasted too long it's easy to believe that it's easy to fall for that lie i want to share with you a uh passage of scripture and i want to give you a quick heads up for those of you who did receive the uh handout notes thing i sent a bogus uh verse into Lorna and she printed it because she's awesome and she does what she does and she's the glue that holds it all together amen to that we love Lorna right so anyway I told her the wrong verse the verse we're going to read is out of Isaiah chapter 40 
in your handout, it says Isaiah chapter 7. Isaiah 7 is cool too. Go read it sometime. But it has nothing to do with what we're talking about right now. So, sorry. It's embarrassing. All right, moving on. So, Isaiah chapter 40. I want to read you this prophecy of encouragement and comfort that the prophet Isaiah shared with the nation of Israel. And he said, um, he says, O Jacob. Now, when he says that, that's a, that's a poetic way to just refer to the nation of Israel as a whole. Because Jacob was one of the patriarchs. So he's like, O Jacob. He's not talking to one guy, all right? He's talking to the whole nation of Israel. And he says, O Jacob, how can you say that the Lord does not see your trouble? O Israel, how can you say that God ignores your rights? Have you never heard, have you never understood that the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of heaven and earth? He never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. Now, just before we go to the next slide. So basically he's saying, look, I know you think that you've been forgotten. I know you think that God's kind of asleep at the wheel here. And the stuff that you're going through is escaping his attention. And he's certainly not helping you out much or bailing you out or whatever the evidence that you're looking at in your life. You're going, dude, this is not working. And yet God promised all this stuff. Isaiah is saying, listen, God is the maker of heaven and earth. And he says this cool phrase. He says, he never grows weak or weary. One, of the, one translation, if you kind of study the original language, it says, God never gets worn out. I just want to pause and tell you, that's good news. How many of you are parents and you've ever looked at your child and said, you are wearing me out. I got one last nerve, and you're on it. I love the fact that our God, our Heavenly Father, I don't wear him out. You know what I'm saying? Because sometimes I picture God up there going, if you ask me one more time, kind of like Medea, say it one more time. If you ask me one more time, to bail you out of a problem. If you ask me one more time if I still love you. If you ask me one more time to forgive something I already forgave. You wearing me out. That's not how God deals with his children. He sends words to us. He speaks to us. And he reminds us that I don't grow weary. I don't, you don't wear me out. I've still got a plan. We're still on this. Stick to the plan. It's going to work. This is what God says. I just wanted to throw that at you. Okay, we'll go to the next slide. He continues by saying, God gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even utes will become weak and tired. Utes. What is a ute? The two utes. No? My cousin Vinny? Anybody? Thank you. Some of these people, Carl, I don't know. Um, get thee to Netflix and watch my cousin video. All right, even the youths will youths will will become weak and tired, and young men will fail in exhaustion. Next slide. But those who trust in the Lord will find 
new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Those who trust in the Lord. If you study the original meaning and, and of the word trust, you know it's an interchangeable word in the English language. Those who wait. Those who wait on the Lord. Those who trust on the Lord. And the reason that I think it's cool that they chose that word and that that word is interchangeable, at least in our language, between trust and wait, because you know what I need if I'm really going to wait well? If I'm going to endure all the marching bands and all the delays and all the waiting, do you know what I need most of all? I need trust. I need to say, I trust in the Lord. When I am waiting, when you are waiting, the Lord is with us the whole time. Leave that verse on the screen. I just want to share something with you. You know, at the beginning of this passage, uh, the, the prophet says, Hey guys, have you not heard? Have you not learned that, you, that, that, that God is everlasting? He's the creator of heaven and earth and he doesn't get worn out? Have you not heard? I used to think when I would read that, he's kind of like the, the prophet's giving a little attitude. Hey, doofus. Hey, McFly, you know, are you listening? Have you not heard? Wow, we went back to the future and my cousin Vinny, all in one passage from Isaiah. Thank you. You're welcome, by the way. Merry Christmas to you all. But it was kind of like, he's like, haven't you heard? You know what, that's just kind of poetic language. You know what he's saying? He's saying, hey guys, hey guys, do you remember? Check this out, guys, check it out. You are following the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You have put your faith in the creator of all the universe. And he doesn't get tired. And he's never late. And he never holds out on you. And you know what else he does? He gives strength to the weary. He gives strength to those of us who are not strong. Have you ever been in a situation where you observed someone who was going through a very difficult time and you found yourself going, how are they making it? How are they doing that? Maybe it was you and people come to you and they know your story and they know the difficulties that you're going through. And they say, How do you do it? How do you even get up in the morning? And you know what our answer is? I know, right? (laughs) It's crazy. I am powerless. I don't have enough strength for this fight. I don't know exactly how this is happening. I can't give you a formula for this. But you know what I do? I am trusting in the Lord. And my God is the maker of heaven and earth. And I trust in Him. Meaning, I I trust means, I don't understand why this happened. I don't understand why this didn't happen. I don't even know how it's all going to play out. But when I trust in the Lord, He gives me, who is powerless, He gives me, who is weary, the strength I need 
to get up in the morning and put one foot in front of the other and walk through this thing that is happening in my life. This is our God. This is our Heavenly Father. He's never late. He doesn't hold out on us, and He gives us the strength we need. That's good news, isn't it? Amen. He is with us the whole time. We're not waiting for Him to show up. We're just waiting for Him in His wisdom and in His timing, and however He decides to do it, what we're waiting him for Him to do is maybe give us a chance to see two and two come together. Maybe see some of the reasons and the purposes. Maybe. But the point is, is that we are never alone and we are never... In, in fact, when we feel most alone, when we feel most weak, God is with us, giving us strength. And suddenly we're rising up with wings as eagles and we're running and not being weary and we're walking and we're not fainting. God is with us the whole time. Now listen, the best, most important thing, the most important reality that is at work when we are waiting is that who we become is more important than what we're waiting for. All right, I'm going to give you a minute to look at that. All right, can we just soak that in? It's a big deal. Who we become is more important than what we are waiting for. Read you a passage of Scripture from 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter 5, it says... uh, It says, And all of you dress yourselves in humility as you relate to one another, for God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Real quick moment. just don't have too much time here, but it says, Dress yourselves in humility as you relate to one another, for God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. The next verse, which we'll read in just a second, says, In due time, if we will humble ourselves before God, He's going to take care of us. All right? But He starts by telling us, about how we relate to one another. So this is just a quick realization that we are never designed to wait in isolation. I I don't know what you're waiting for. I don't know what it is in this season of your life that that is a challenge to wait for. But you are never designed to wait on your own for this. We are in community and we are, we are encouraged as we go through our times of waiting and trusting and following the teachings of Scripture to do it together. And it's super important that we relate to one another in humility. We'll go to the next slide. And it says, so humble yourselves under the mighty power of God. And at the right time, He will lift you up in honor. There it is again, the right time. The right time. God is never, never late. He will lift you up in honor. Give all your worries and cares to God. Why? Because He cares for us. He doesn't hold out on us. Who we become, the kind of person we become, the humility that we live our lives with is more important than what we're waiting for, than what we need, we really, really feel like we need to have happen. What happens inside of us is more important than what we're waiting for to take place out in our world and in our lives and in our stories or even in the lives of the people we care about. You might say, well, we'll time out there, skinny preacher, because the stuff I'm waiting for is like super important. I'm waiting for super serious. 
the heaviest of stuff. I'm waiting for stuff about my marriage. I'm waiting for maybe stuff about the welfare of my children. What's more important than that? I know. I'm serious. I know. Because I've been there. And I'm still there in some ways. And I'm telling you, ten and a half years ago, when my life fell apart because of my addiction, or because of the reveal of my addiction, um, I didn't know what was going to happen. And there are still plenty of unanswered questions about my story. But I'm telling you this. It was true for me, and it is true for you. It's true for all of us. The most critical thing is God winning back our hearts. That's what this is about. That's what it's always been about. The most important thing, the best thing that can happen to me and that can happen in the lives of the people I care about is if God changes me, if I become a different person. And if, for me, and I believe it's true for you as well, the change that needs to take place, that God winning back my heart Winning back our hearts, it's going to take time. It's going to take patience, and we're going to have to wait. And so there is a very practical thing that I want to lay on you. A practical deal that we should all, that we all should need to, need to decide about today when it comes to waiting, when it comes to this idea of what I'm becoming is more important than what I'm waiting for. And, here, and here's the pitch. We need to worship while we're waiting. We need to praise while we're waiting. This is a big deal for us because if we become people that live with the praises of God in our voices, in our mouths, in our minds and in our hearts, if that's how we live while we're waiting, it will change us. Because this is more than just, ooh, let me think of a cool song. Let me whistle while I wait. You know, this is not not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is saying, I choose to praise God. I choose not to question. I choose not to freak out. And when I do question and when I freak out, I grab the reins. And I choose to praise. Because when I praise, I am saying, I trust in the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. This is our challenge. This is our decision. What are you waiting for? Is it good stuff? Is it kind of exciting stuff? Is it dreadful, fearful stuff? Is it a little of both? We're all waiting. And why not take this Advent season and say, I'm going to spend this season 
recalibrating my heart towards praise. We're about to sing a song. It's kind of our closing. It's almost a closing of the sermon, a response to what the Lord has said. And the, and the lyrics of the song says, I count on one thing. There's one thing I count on. The God who never fails will not fail me now. In the waiting, the God who's never late won't fail me. Yes, I will. Lift His praises high, even when I'm in the lowest valley. I will bless His name. I will sing for joy even when my heart is breaking, when my heart is heavy. I choose to praise. This is what I've decided to do. I have decided to praise my way through my waiting. Will you join me in that decision? Can we do that together as a family? Can we say, I don't know. I don't know how long it's going to take. I don't know if it's going to work out. I don't know if the things I fear worst are going to happen and fall straight in front of my path. Or maybe things are going to go crazy good. And I'm going to have a great happy ending and a group hug. And everything's going to be fine. I don't know. But I trust Him. Stand to your feet. Let's sing this song. And let's say, I choose to praise. I choose to count on one thing. That God will not fail me. Let's just respond to the Lord this morning. And say, Lord, this is what we're going to do in our waiting. Are you with me on it? Can we do that? Let's do it, guys. Take us there.